1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Super J Cast. I'm Joel. It is Thursday, 27th of January. This is episode 195. I'm not joined by Damon McDonald this week. Damon is going to be taking a little bit of time off because of his injured shoulder. so Unfortunately, the doctors have not cleared him for podcast action. So we'll wish him speedy recovery, lots of good vibes. In his place, we have Super J Cast Hall of Famer, critically acclaimed guest, co-host of the year, the great Booze Leprechaun. Thank you very much for stepping in once again, Booze. <laughs>
2: Wait a minute, this isn't the uh, Super Sumo cast?
1: It could. We've had so many suggestions for things to change. The Super N cast, after I saw a Reddit thread popping up saying that pe- people are getting into Noah now because of the Super J cast. it was like, that's not really what we're here for. But no. I mean, whatever, if we're bringing a bit of joy into people's lives, But I mean, absolutely, this week, you know, we. I'm really excited to finally be with, with you here on the J cast and talk about the best kind of Japanese wrestling, which is of course sumo. And yes. uh, like a broken clock, I finally got a prediction right. So, you, you want to talk about our boy Mitakeumi and his big Ozeki promotion?
2: Oh my god! Um, yeah. So I've been like on the Mitakeumi train since day one, and I didn't think I would actually get to see this day because he had shit the bed on three actual like formal Ozeki runs, and this was not an Ozeki run. So yeah, you're you're going. No, he's gonna get it. He's gonna get it. And I was just the little the little ball of sunshine going. Uh, I don't think we I don't think we're gonna get it done because I just hadn't seen it and I'd got my heart broken so many times and uh, my heart did not get broken this time.
1: I mean, he's just such a, a lovable Rikishi, isn't he? I mean, uh, I I hate to be this reductive and, and insulting about sumo wrestlers, but he is looks like the kind of one who. You know, you could sort of pinch his cheeks or poke his belly, and he'd giggle. Whereas, and you know, if you did that to someone like Terena Fuji, he'd probably kill you. But there's just something very endearing about Mitakeumi. I don't know anyone that doesn't like him.
2: Yeah, I, I think I think some of it is a, is a bit because of his height. So he's a little shorter. He's not like Enho tiny, but he's a little bit shorter and he's a little bit rounder. And he's just, yeah, he's just got that endearing smile. His family is incredibly adorable. Uh, They kept, especially the last day, they kept showing shots of like his mom and I guess the whole kind of group of them up in the, uh, up in like the nosebleed section of Sumo Hall. And they're all wearing matching shirts and she's, you know, taking photos. And it was very heartwarming. And especially with everything that's still kind of going on right now, it's just was very wonderful to see and just kind of lightening of, of the mood.
1: I suppose, I mean, th- this has been my theory this year, why I thought he'd get it, because the field of competition seems depleted. You know, we've got uh, no Hakuhō, no Kakiryu. uh Terunofuji looks pretty hurt in this Basho, no Asanoyama, uh, Takakesho injured as well. So just the, the level of competition seems like not what it was before when he was struggling to put those Ozeki runs together. So that was my my thinking going into my big mitaku Ozeki prediction. Do you think he's going to be able to stay there?
2: I I, I think so, because the, the one thing that he's always had going for him is just his consistency. Basically, as soon as he got up to Sanyaku, which is Komosube or higher, once he got there, he effectively stayed at those ranks. And I think there's only one time he dipped out and dropped to maybe like a Maikashira one or a Maikashira three. That was basically due to injury. And then basically within a couple of shows, he was right back up in Sanyaku at, at, at Komosube and has stayed up there. And he's um, currently like the most consistent of those in Sanyaku. So I think, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to be watching him go Bond like every other Basho like we are right now with Shodai and Takakesho. Now, do I think he's going to make to take that next plunge to Yokozuna? I'm not sure. Um, we'll see. I mean, he's already got more Yushos under his belt than Kansidasato when Sato finally um, got over that hurdle. And got that Yokozuna promotion. So it may be something as simple as if he just like reels off, maybe like a year of solid double digit wins, like placing in second and maybe getting one or two more U shows. They might do it because um, that's the only thing with Mitake Yumi is that he's been very consistent in Sonyaku, but this is actually only the first time within Sonyaku that he's gotten back to back double digit wins. And obviously for Yokozuna they want you to you know they want you to you know, Senso Yusho would be great, but if you can at least you know roll off 14 and ones and 13 and twos, maybe the occasional 12 and three, uh, they'll be perfectly happy. There was a, um, so the Yokozuna Decision Council got together, the head of it is retiring, and he made some comments, and some of the comments, um, one of which was about Mitake Yumi's promotion, and he basically said that one of the reasons he finally got the Ozeki promotion was to basically light a fire under Takakesho's ass, and that hopefully having a little proper a uh, competition at Ozeki might get Takekoshi to get his shit together, and cross that line to get Yokozuna. No mention of Shodai, by the way, which I thought was great. I think everybody yeah, is just quietly right, accepting. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody's kind of quietly accepted that maybe that was not the best promotion that they could have done.
1: Well, before we run off the rest of our listeners, I've just got one more question. <laughs> okay, so I have I've gone mad with confidence here. I've got one prediction right. So I'm going to I'm going to throw two more at you, which I think I mentioned before, but here they go. Uh the the only yokozuna we've got at the moment, Terunofuji, he's not looking in great shape at the moment. So my prediction is he doesn't make it till the end of 2022. He retires before the end of the calendar year. And my second prediction is we don't get another yokozuna until 2024. Your thoughts, please.
2: Um, I'm going to tackle the second prediction first. Yeah, I agree that we will most likely not see another Yokozuna till 2024. I think I might have thrown that prediction out um, last time I was on hosting, which That's is kind where of a I got weird. It from then. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, like I don't see it happening now. Him retiring this year? Oh, I don't know. Nothing's out of the realm of possibility. Um, they they, admitted that he is injured. Um, it's either like, it's either his heel kind of ankle area. Cause that was definitely taped up more than normal, or it's just his Nido-esque knees. Finally, maybe, um, wanting to give out again. So I think if he can at least like, I, I'm not, he may not be in March Basho. That will be the that will be the test as to whether he makes it through this year or not. If he can at least kind of drag himself and at least start some boss shows, maybe pull out due to injury, which the which is the old Hakuho trick. If he can maybe do that and kind of switch off and on, oh, I'm injured, that I'm gonna go Cujo, and then next boss show he can reel off. You know, either wins or are coming in second. I think they'll be perfectly happy with that. Until somebody else can step up step up to be Yokozuna. Um, but yeah, I, I'll be shocked if we get somebody before 2024. And it might be Matakiumi at this rate. Um, if he keeps up if he holds on to this confidence and he gets like has a good showing as as a Shin o- Ozeki, and then maybe reels off, is able to pull one U show. Maybe they may not even want him to go back to back. If he can just get some really solid results, snag one u show, they just might be desperate enough and just just elevate him and do it.
1: Well, if you don't follow sumo, but you're interested in it, I think this is a really interesting time to be starting. So get involved, uh, start watching, and get behind your boy Mitakeumi because he's going to be certainly one to watch. And I'll be cheering for him for that Yokozuna promotion. He might not make it, but at the very least. We are enjoying saying hello to a fresh Ozeki, but booze. Our listeners can also enjoy saying hello to some fresh ingredients arriving on their doorstep from our friends over at HelloFresh. So what is HelloFresh, you ask? With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store, counting on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one milk kit. Only in America, if you're not listening in America... Just skip this part. So the new year is a a great time to focus on what's most important to you, whether it's saving money by ordering less takeout, learning to cook or prioritising your wellness, HelloFresh is here to help with endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. HelloFresh cuts back on time spent in the kitchen so you can spend it on your other resolutions with meals ready in around 30 minutes or less. Plus quick and easy meals, including 20-minute recipes and low prep and easy cleanup options provide an even faster route putting food on the table so go to hellofresh.com slash vow16 and use code vow16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts so that's again go to hellofresh.com vow16 code vow16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts uh, what did you think of that segue booze
2: I got scared for a hot minute because I thought you were going to throw it to me to do a to do the read, and of course I didn't have anything. I'll to read next week. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, no, it, it it was such a beautiful read. I la- I laughed. I cried. It was better than cats.
1: It's, it's layered, isn't it? It's a layered performance. It's this kind of thing you have to go back and listen to multiple times to catch the the nuances in it. But uh, yeah, glad glad my work's being yes, appreciated. Yes. Uh, so I will let you choose where we go today, Bruce. Okay, we've got news, lines Raw, Golden Series, or Strong. So where would you like to go first? Um,
2: I guess let's keep it, let's not freak everybody out completely. Um, and let's go with news first.
1: All right, well, first piece of news, a uh, bit of unfortunate news. Of course, this disaster in Tonga, New Japan, are helping to raise proceeds towards that with their pretty awesome uh, Lions Mark Tonga flag shirt. So and I'm not a, a huge merch mine person at the moment. You uh, dabble into the merch. What do you think of this T-shirt?
2: No, it's, it's, it's a nice T-shirt. It's kind of st- very similar to – they've done a couple other similar T-shirts for disasters that have affected um, members of the roster. So this is pretty much in line with that. Um, nice little synergy uh, unexpectedly. With uh, Lion's Roar, because we're, we're already are kind of, kind of thinking about Fale and Tonga. And so. But yeah, it's, it, yeah, good piece of merch. If you got the coins, go ahead, sn- snatch it.
1: That's Help, right. I mean, for a good a, cause. All in a good cause, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. yeah. Thoughts, prayers, all of that. All our, our best wishes go out to everyone uh, involved in that. hope everyone's okay. Uh, next piece of news, then, of course, are the show cancellations. They cancelled a few shows. Uh, They had some members of the roster with high temperatures and fevers, so they just decided to just ax a few shows. Uh, We will be back then with New Japan on Sunday, February 6th. So a little bit of a break here. Uh, Louis says, how frustrated do you think New Japan is having to cancel shows just when things get rolling again? They hit some speed bumps. I mean, sure, it must be frustrating for everyone involved, but I wonder if the wrestlers, maybe the wrestlers, maybe the fans as well are enjoying having a little break i don't know maybe that's just me but uh i wasn't thinking oh no i can't believe they canceled these house shows when the news came out
2: yeah i mean well okay let's be honest how many of us besides the shinny hon freaks in our discord were getting up and and watching those shows live if at all
1: yeah i mean i, I would extend the question how many are watching it uh on vod as well i mean right they weren't the sexiest lineups on paper
2: No, which, which again, it's not New Japan's fault. We've, we've been over this millions of times. You know, they're, they're working with the hand they've been dealt with, but it's, it's not like we're losing. It's not like when they had the shutdown last year and we lost like major shows. We're losing a bunch of house shows that pretty much have the same cards night after night. So watch the two that are up on world and then just kind of pretend that that's what you've been watching for the two weeks of the, of the shutdown and be fresh and ready for when they come back on the six.
1: The other tidbit that came out was a a story from Tokyo sports. And of course, anything Tokyo sports related has got to be taken with a heavy pinch of salt because they, they basically run kayfabe angles from New Japan a lot of the time. So there was a interview with Naito where he was talking about taking a pay cut. What was the figure? It was like 24% or something. He said he took a 24% pay cut and uh, there was a bit of digging from VOW or from their, uh, their Patreon, which good value, you know, you, you get pretty good scoops from Joe Rich on their their $10 tier. So their news said that, yes, i did take a pay cut, but it wasn't that big. He was exaggerating it for to, to sort of build up the story with Okada, because that was the whole thing in the interview. He was saying, oh, I took this massive pay cut so Okada could keep full salary. So adding a bit of juice to their feud. I mean, we, we had been told by uh, sources that all wrestlers had to take a pay cut, something corroborated by VOW. Uh, so Festive Dwarf says, will the Super J-Cars move on from sponsoring soccer players to sponsoring NJPW wrestlers given the new pay cuts? I mean, I would love to be like, you know, sort of a proper Japanese sponsor where whenever they roll around to your town, you take them out for a big meal. I mean, that would be pretty cool. Uh, which wrestler would I sponsor? Uh, <laughs> probably someone who doesn't eat much. Maybe sponsor Zach, because he's a, he's vegan, isn't he? So yeah. Uh, You'd be avoiding all the expensive cuts of meat, if you went to like the yakiniku restaurant. Uh, Bash says, are the pay cuts due to lost revenue from ticket sales from COVID restrictions? Well, yeah, of course they are. Do you think all the top guys have taken a cut? Uh, yeah, I do. I think everyone will have taken a cut, but temporary one. Uh, if this is a reason, I think it's noble of Naito to do this so they can get through these tough times, but it should be reimbursed if things get back to pre-pandemic levels. I mean, that's the big question for me, booze, like if things get back to pre-pandemic levels. that My, my sort of creeping worry Is that we're never gonna get there. And I hope we will, but the sort of the negative side of me does does worry about that stuff. So yeah, what do you make of these pay cuts?
2: Well, I mean, pay cuts are coming across the board no matter what industry you're in. Because yeah, we we still have to get paid as as wage slaves, but then you've got people above you that are having to, you know, get hit with high higher bills for things across the board um, as part of like the supply chain issue, which I'm, I have the joy of dealing with on many levels. So yeah, I mean, the, the pay cuts are, are what they are. My bigger worry would be in accepting a pay cut would be, am I actually going to get that back down the line? Or are they just going to keep? Cause I think very negatively of, of upper management in these situations where, yeah, all right, I'll take the pay cut because it's, it's for the good of the company. And then times will get back to, to quote-unquote normal. You'll have full houses. And then you'll be like, hey, um, can I get that 10% back? And they'll come up with another reason not to give you that 10% back.
1: Yeah, something that's uh, affecting a lot of people, not exclusive to wrestlers. So, yeah, I mean, I do wonder about someone like Naito, Saying stuff like, you know, he's a New Japan company guy, New Japan for life, and just absolutely obliterating any sort of negotiating power he has. Not suggesting that he's going to do something like rock up to NXT and start challenging for the North American title. That'll be mental. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sort of it's equal parts admiration and and shaking my head at uh, oh, you, you foolish boy, Naito.
2: Well, it's it's you know, as the sources have said, Naito wasn't the only one taking the cut. So there's a bit of that, well, you know, if Tanahashi, and and I don't know if Tanahashi took a cut, I'm just assuming that if the sources are saying that all the top guys took a cut, that of course includes Tanahashi, it's kind of hard when the ace takes the pay cut and you're trying to to flex and not take the pay cut. So, you know, you don't, you know, the lower down the card you are, it's kind of harder when you see everybody above you taking those cuts to try and make a stand and go, um, I'd like to keep the 10%, maybe a 5% cut. So, um, you know, I don't know how much choice he really had in the matter. And as we've always talked about, Japan's a little bit different in that the wrestlers aren't jumping around from promotion to promotion. So there's really no negotiating power in that regards. No one's going to believe Naito if he goes, well, I'll just jump to Noah if you don't pay me because everybody knows he's not doing that. So really, New Japan just has all the cards in this this case until at some point somebody goes, look, I I will jump if you make me take another cut or or whatever.
1: I think if that's one thing that the Japanese pro wrestling landscape needs is to kind of break down some of those barriers and have more people jumping around because at the moment things are looking pretty stale, but probably not going to happen because, you know, it's something that's embedded into the, uh, the work culture there. Uh, nevertheless, one other interesting thing from the, that VOW patron update was the, the information that the um, the laying out of matches for Wrestle of night three. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but the gist of it is basically KG Muto going for that doesn't work for me, brother. Did, did you see this?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I read it and I'm just one in awe of KG that he could do that. I mean, that's just KG being KG. And even though I'm sure the reasoning was not altruistic, it was all about him, I think it worked out. I mean, all we're talking about after that main event was Kiyomiya and how it made him look like a star. And he's the talking point. And he's probably the reason why... Some people are going, hey, um, you know, maybe we should become the super end cast. So it it worked out. Um, But that just makes me wonder who the source is, because that's like some real nuts and bolts stuff.
1: Yeah, it'd have to be someone in the room. That's something that I would love to know as well. I'm not going to ask out of respect, but uh, I'm really curious because, yeah, that was you must have been literally in the room laying out the, the match for that to be able to happen. So. Uh, must be Tanahashi or Okada. But yeah, I mean, if anyone hasn't read this, it is worth checking out. Just in, in terms of minutiae, like who's getting the hot tag or who's coming out first out of the pair of them. Uh, I wonder, if, you know, we are praising Kiyomi. I wonder if Muto is listening to the Super Chats. i going, fuck, I wanted to, to get all the, the praise myself. But uh, yeah, that was definitely raised a chuckle when I saw that. Um, all right, then let's go to Lion's Raw, the, the Farley Dojo doc. Um, Course, we haven't really heard your thoughts about it yet. The one thing that jumps out to me is the production. I mean, this is really high-level stuff, isn't it? This is something that you could broadcast on any sort of major you know, American TV channel and it would fit right in because it's just really good quality stuff, isn't it?
2: Yeah, that's actually – I finally started watching it over the weekend, so I binged the first two episodes. And after the first episode, that was my – major, major takeaway was the production values. And this is not... I mean, New Japan's documentary production values are normally pretty top-notch, but this was just at another level. And you can see from the credits that they brought in outside people, which, of course, to a degree they had to because no way they were getting a crew down in New Zealand right now with everything that's going on. But I definitely was looking at it and getting a vibe that I would not be surprised if after the first... You know, we'll get the 12 episodes exclusive to World. And then I would not be shocked if at some point we saw this pop up on, say, Roku or Access or, you know, Netflix or whatever. But, yeah, it's at a quality that, yeah, you could throw it on to any of those streaming services for uh, extra content.
1: I like the format of it. So it seems that each week they're going to focus on one of the the trainees so you can learn a bit about their story and as I keep saying you you don't need to be given much just a little bit of their personal history for you to make a nice personal connection with them this week we found out about Jake Taylor and he talked about a lot of the sacrifices he made to get there for example choosing wrestling over the girl that he thought he was going to marry how he had his first stint in the Japan dojo with he was suffering from an Achilles injury and every time he sort of showed any kind of pain or sort of Grabbed his Achilles, then they were basically pointing to the door, telling him to F off. So, yeah, pretty brutal stuff. But you you do, again, I just, I like hearing these personal stories and it helps me get behind these guys. It makes me want to cheer for them. So, again, if I see the name Jake Taylor pop up in Japan in the future, I'm going to be, oh, yeah, it's that guy that I saw in Lions Raw and gives you a little bit of investment.
2: It also gave a little, like, I didn't know that so many of Fale's guys were at least make, had been making it to the dojo and at least doing kind of background stuff, maybe not being at ringside, but at least being over there. Because before this, I just thought it was Michael Richards was the only one that had gotten over there. So that's been one of the the eye-opening things for me, that there's been – I think it sounds like maybe like three or four of them were able to get over there at one point. And then for whatever reason – Excuse me. Whether it's because of the pandemic or whatever, um, left. So that was that was eye opening. I know you guys talked about Mike uh, Michael Richards last week, and there's there's one thing in hearing somebody else telling you the story of him telling the story of Rocky chewing him out after that Young Lions Cup, but to actually watch him talk about it and the fact that at this point it's about two plus years after that. Lions Cup match, and you can tell that it just still stings him as if it had just happened earlier in the day, him getting chewed out by Rocky. So I've got a whole new appreciation for him because I think we were all, like everybody was probably of the opinion after watching that of, you know, who's this schlub from from Follies Dojo? Um, and, and you can see the improvements that he's made in his body and that he, he took that to heart and... That's probably something that's going to be with him for the entirety of his life.
1: And secretly, that's what I'm tuning in for. I want to see <laughs> these young guys get chewed out by wrestlers. We've got a little taste of it with Farley in this week's episode, but uh, I'm holding out hope that at some point in this series, we get Farley just like full on laying into someone, throw them out of the dojo. That that's that's my hope.
2: Oh, I I have no doubt that we're going to see Fale just, just chew in. Like I've already got a couple, you know, trainees lined up for who I think are, is going to get the prime Fale chew in and thrown out the door.
1: Well, we'll wait with bated breath to see how that plays out. But yeah, it's become appointment viewing for me. As soon as that pops up on the world feed, I, I'm sitting down to watch it and enjoying it. So uh, everyone else should get involved. Oh yeah, one other thing was funny. I, I don't know if you've seen this image on Google Maps uh, from outside Farley's Dojo. So if you go to Google Maps and the street view, the big man is there himself, sitting outside on a chair, <laughs> waving at the Google van as it went past, which I thought was really funny. Um Dr. Gary says, could you slash would you want to see the Lions Raw format for other dojos? It's been really compelling viewing so far. I mean, yeah, it's just anytime there's a behind the scenes look. The the On the Road series they did a few years ago, we got little glimpses into the dojo. I I think there might have been some Jay White footage when he was training at the dojo. Uh, maybe David Finley as well. I can't remember because it was a long time ago. But yeah, just more of this stuff. This is this just very, very compelling viewing.
2: Yeah. 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 There's definitely, a, definitely Jay White got like three or four episodes in that, that on the road series. You know, we, we got the, the little bit with the beginning of the LA Dojo. I like to go back to the LA Dojo now, now that there's more guys in the house and it's a little more established and see how that's going. Um, I don't think though we'll ever see a lion's roar for the uh, new japan dojo i think because there's just too many things that probably happen in that dojo that can that cannot be filmed for various reasons and that might end badly in japan a lot
1: of guys getting cancelled if any footage comes out from that
2: oh my god that would just be considering the stories that you know tamatanga has told on his podcast could you imagine if those had actually been like filmed for a documentary and aired
1: I would rather be my sort of peaceful place of ignorance where uh, I like people like Jushin Thunder Liker and Yuji Nagata. That, oh, you know, you sort of your cuddly dads. I don't want the, the truth. I don't want the reality because I know it would it be deeply upsetting. It would be like finding out Santa's not real.
2: Yeah. You know, I just want to maintain my image of Tana, like rocking up with like 500 boxes of Shake Shack for the kids on cheat day. Uh, not probably angry dojo Tana.
1: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) This is the thought of Angry Dojo Tanner. Wouldn't that be a sight to behold? Uh, Okay, let's move on to New Japan Strong. So there was a show uh, from the Nemesis taping last Saturday, January 22nd. So we opened up with Lucas Riley defeated by Royce Isaacs, 7 minutes 24 seconds, via Hush Money. So Royce Isaacs, a guy who has made his name as part of the West Coast Wrecking Crew, as a tag team with uh, Jarrell Nelson. So here we're getting to see him in some singles action. I thought this was really good. I started to see a lot of upside in Royce Isaacs as a singles competitor as well. I mean, primarily, I do want to see the tag stuff continue because I think West Coast Wrecking Crew are one of the best tag teams in in the New Japan sphere. I mean, they're a tag team that you could parachute into World Tag League, have them win the whole thing. Like, I think they they are definitely at that standard. Uh, But yeah, I thought Royce Isaacs did a really good job in a singles match. Uh, Lucas Riley, nice underdog babyface spirit there coming back from his big squash defeat to Jonah. Uh, so, yeah, I like this one. And and also we're getting on Twitter some information about Royce Isaacs' cooking skills. I don't know if you saw his beef and broccoli noodles. Looked outstanding. So um, now we know the secret of why Team Filthy are doing so well. It's it's Royce Isaacs' his great home cooking.
2: Yeah, I, I saw the picture of the home cooking. Um, I got to kind of no sell that. It was the beef looked good, but... It was It was like, okay, you're saying it's beef and broccoli, but I'm having trouble picking the broccoli out of this dish. The noodles, I think the noodles could have been a little bit better. But, you know, I've seen worse food. So, you know, I'll give them that credit. I've seen Royce Isaacs because I, I watched the first season of TNA. Oh, not TNA. Oh, my God. Um, the um, NWA. Jeez. Um you know, when, when that came, when that first came back. So he was, he was prominent in that first season. Um, So I am, I'm, I'm, I'm used to him. Jarrell Nelson hadn't um, joined with him yet in, in the NWA stuff. So yeah, so I've, I've enjoyed what Royce Isaacs has been doing. Um, My main takeaway for, for, for uh, Riley is can somebody feed him a cheeseburger? Real scrawny.
1: No, that's, um, not, that's one of those things I think it sort of works for him in this spot as not the squash guy, but just, you know, like I said, the underdog babyface, he's going to lose every single time. He's not going to win a match. And I'm fine with that because he looks like that. And I think that sort of aesthetic uh, helps to, to solidify that spot on the roster for him if he is going to be sticking around.
2: Yeah, no, I, I get that. But I also at least want to have some suspension of disbelief that there might be a chance that he could win a match every once in a while. It's a bit like Yoshihashi before he became the King of Korokin in that, okay, I'm not expecting him to win this match, but you know if I'm going to sit here and watch this match, I want to at least Fool myself into thinking that there's an outside chance that he could come away with the win. Now, obviously, there's he he wasn't going to beat Royce Isaacs, so you know, I I wasn't expecting that in that degree. But you know, going down the line, I would like to, you know, I'm not saying you know bulk out, but just 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 one cheeseburger, son, just one cheeseburger. And then my my biggest thing from this match in this entire episode was obviously New Japan's having to like take money and you know, give give the roster pay cuts. Can they not pay for pay the light bill either?
1: <laughs> it's extremely dark in there.
2: Oh my God. an incredibly dark. And it's just like, do we have to do a GoFundMe so they can pay the electric bill at these at these houses that they're running? Because I'll do it if it means that I don't have to like squint and feel like I'm in some some cinema, some some dank dark cinema and I should be wearing a trench coat.
1: <laughs> that's that's the strong aesthetic, isn't it? The porno theater aesthetic.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, because I really think it hurt the Jonah Juice match. Not Jonah. Jeez, I'm having I'm having a day. Um, it really hurt the. Uh, I thought the big bad dude Tito Juice match, and I know we'll get get to that in a few seconds.
1: Yeah, let's get onto that now. So Juice uh, defeating bad dude Tito in nine minutes thirty seven seconds. You know, I, we have been throwing our fair share of criticism at Juice Robinson and chuckled <laughs> just the name Bad Dude Tito. made me laugh. But I actually really like this. I thought this was pretty good. Bad Dude Tito looking like a, a sort of squashed diesel and seemed to have some legit wrestling chops. They presented him in, in a way. I thought commentary did a great job making him sound like a legit threat and he's quite a, a chunky dude, so he, he did look kind of physically imposing. And Juice. to be fair to him, I thought he worked really hard in this one to, to get Bad Tito over and, and sell him as a threat and busted out some new moves at the end. There was like a kind of pulp friction off the ropes and then a new finishing move, which is listed on the website as HHB. Uh, so yeah, I was impressed with the debut of Bad Tito. I was impressed with Juice here, dare I say it. So, I mean, it's good to see that he is actually putting effort in. Not that he wouldn't, but you know, there there would be the temptation if his New Japan career appears to be uh, trending downwards at the moment that he'd be, just be phoning it in. But he didn't. He worked really hard here, and I like the post match with Jonah coming out and then Badu Tito. You know, he's pissed off that he's just lost the match, so he grabs Juice's heels and Jonah gets the advantage there. And then uh, David Finley running out to make the save. But and, and again, I just I like the one strong. It feels a bit more organic. It's not you know the WWE style of oh you got to hit David Finley's music before he comes out and he's got to come out to make the save in his gear and do his little poses and everything. No, he's, he's running out in his jeans and just managing to make the save before the beat down happens. And I'm, I'm just stunned. I'm saying this, I'm into the, the upcoming Fiend Juice Badu, Tito and Jonah match. Uh, are you with me on this? Did you like the match?
2: I, I liked the match. I wasn't as high on it as you were to me. It felt like most Of juices matches, um, and then you're just substituting bad dude Tito for, you know, whatever opponent. It was a solid match. Um, You know, I I wasn't coming away going, "Oh, Juice looks re-energized," or, um, you know, oh, or anything like that. Um, And here's where you know, for me, the lighting really hurt. I think bad dude Tito. One, I was listening on uh, Japanese comms because I practice self-care and I don't listen to Alex Kozlov, And so I, I wasn't getting that, you know, that help from comms to get Badu Tito over. And the lighting is so poor that you can't really couldn't see the, the chops and the redness of the chops as they were happening and that's one thing I, I always love to see is, you know, you see this great chop battle. And then as the match progresses, you're just seeing how these chests are turning into like hamburger meat and red and maybe a couple other colors, depending on how hard they're chopping. And so much of that match was centered around, you know, the chops and the forearms that um, it, for me, it didn't do Tito any favors in that regards I like Tito. I, I felt to a degree though that if you're going to roll with the name Bad Dude Tito, do something really Bad Dudeish, if if that's a word. And he did some solid stuff. You know, you said squash down diesel. He's to me. I came away like, oh, you're you're a mini Jeff Cobb. And it looked like he was going to do some high flying stuff, and they saved that. I guess we'll be seeing the some top rope flying in the Tito Jonah. Finn Juice tag match whenever is that is that is that already scheduled I'm I'm guessing that's probably going to happen on Rivals
1: Yeah I believe it's been announced like I can't remember exactly when but uh, yeah. yeah
2: So you know so I I was kind of hoping that he could have gotten some of those moves off just to see how they look um, I mean I'm I'm intrigued enough that I'll I'll look watch some more of his stuff but like I said, the the lighting just did did not do him any favors in being able to show his his strength with the chops and things like that. Um, and then the beatdown afterwards, how many times do we have to watch Juice get beat down and Finley make the save? Because this is what, like the third or fourth time that Juice has ended a match staring up at the lights and Finley's got to run in in his jeans and his his van shoes and save juice from himself sometimes. Cause he was running his is, mouth. <laughs> I
1: imagine this is something that happens on impact a lot, but you know, speaking of self care, I'm missing that shit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, well, I'm not watching impact either. So yeah, I, I can't, I've, I've got a feeling that like the three or four times I've counted is just like in new Japan and most of it's been happening and strong. Um, but once yeah. again, juice is running his mouth, runs his mouth at Jonah. And that's, that that's what brings Jonah's Jonah out in the first place when he's calling him out. And then, yeah. Tito and Jonah beat beat him up and Finley comes in for the save. You know, c- can we have Juice coming in for the save for, for once? Just, just once?
1: Speaking of Jonah, uh, Derek has a question about Jonah. He says, so Jonah, watching Jonah on Strong and I'm not seeing anything yet in this guy. Am I missing something or is this just another big guy doing big guy stuff? I think we need to give him a chance. I mean, we've only seen him in like squash matches so far. So let's see what we've got with Jonah when we actually see him in some competitive singles matches with bigger names on the roster because I think it's, it's too early to judge at the moment
2: yeah I, I think right now if you're wanting to you, you're gonna have to watch impact because I think he's got a couple program like a program going on, on on impact um but I think that's where you're gonna have to go right now to see Jonah be what we're all hoping Jonah is is gonna be
1: Violent Skipping says, uh, you've talked of Strong being the Narita project last year and the Kid project this year. Does this give a better balance for excursions than partner promotions by getting them away from the domestic fans and learning new styles and cultures but keeping them within the company? I mean, that's a really good question. I think the, the traditional excursion route has been a bit hit and miss in previous years. You know, you often see guys just sort of sitting around not doing much. I mean, thinking of Evil's excursion back in the Watanabe days. Um I mean, showing Yo, they didn't exactly like the world on fire as the Tempura boys. Do you think this, using Strong, is a better model for the Excursion than sending them out to partner promotions?
2: Well, it it helps you control, you still have a control of their development. I think of when, I, I saw that question on Twitter, and my first thought was, I think Watto is the perfect example of what happens when you just send a guy out to your partner promotion and just kind of let let the winds do whatever the winds are going to do because he leaves and everybody's like, oh, he's, you know, everybody had high hopes for him. And then his Mexico excursion, then the the discourse all changed to, oh, my God, what's happened with Watto? Have you watched Watto? He's, he's horrible now. I don't know what they've, I don't know what's happened to him. Didn't he like turn up missing for a few months as well? Like nobody even knew where he was. And then he comes back in the state that we finally get him back in. And it's taken what about a a little over a year, maybe almost a year and a half, to kind of start getting him back to New Japan levels of of being right. So yeah, at least with something like strong, you can control what happens to him and make sure that. You know, they're not either learning bad habits. Shoda is obviously another example of what happens when you just kind of let them, let them loose in a foreign country. As he has apparently decided to sample all the British cuisine. And needs is definitely, um, from what we've seen, gotten out of probably the type of shape that New Japan would like him to to be at. So, yeah. So, the the strong concept lets, lets you hold on to, you know, better control of your guys. And I was also saying I would love um, Folly's Dojo to start a, a strong type program. He's clearly got enough um, students and people that he's bringing in and then holdovers like Taylor and Michael Richards. And I think there's like a third guy that got tagged as a young lion. So you, you, he's got the talent there. And then you just again pull from the, the New Zealand Australian indie scene. And start to show up there, and I would love to see that as well.
1: Yeah, that'd be a great idea if they can start uh, liaising with some of those Australian promotions. I think there'd be some terrific uh, opportunity for growth there. Uh, third match, then, on this strong show was Rocky Romero, Fred Rosser, Taylor Rust defeating Tom Lawler, Black Tiger, and Jarell Nelson. So it's Taylor Rust uh, getting the win in 11 minutes 35 seconds with the perfect circle. So, I mean, Taylor Russ, the guy who was initially in Team Filthy and then left to go to NXT and pretty predictably, and this is not a knock on Tyler, uh, Taylor Russ, Tyler Russ, just because this is what NXT do. They just hoover up a load of talent and they just chew them up and spit them out again with no seemingly, uh, like, connection to how good they are as a wrestler because they've taken on plenty of really good wrestlers uh, in recent history and, and given them nothing. So I wouldn't necessarily put that as a, a black mark against the name of Taylor Russ, but... Uh, He's back and he's been given a, a big opportunity here. Nice feud with Tom Lawley. He's getting a, a shot at the strong openweight title. I don't think anyone expects him to win. But how do you feel he came across in this match? Because obviously the whole thing was centered around him and, and building him up as a challenger for Filthy Tom.
2: I thought he looked great. Um, yeah, he got hoovered up by NXT, but he, didn't, he wasn't there long enough to start learning bad habits and getting... Ground down and destroyed the way a lot of other talent over the years has. Because he wasn't even there. He wasn't even there a year, right? Like they signed him and then he was gone in like six months, something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates. Off Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Doors is unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's Ufi video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door And uh, so, who else was it?
1: Alex Zane as well at the same time.
2: Yeah, so they they got off relatively unscathed in the grand scheme of things. A little bit of TV time, but nothing like that. Some of this out the other talent over the years has had to go through when they get hoovered up by NXT. So uh, no, I th- I thought he looked great. I, I you know I was pleasantly surprised with him, and he was definitely the the standout of the match. My other takeaway, and I've had this before, is. I know we we keep talking about guys from Strong that we want to see over there in Japan. I would love to see a Team Filthy LIJ multi-man tag match.
1: Oh, that would be so good. I mean, that's been my one thing. I've been banging this drum. It feels like, like over a year now, how much of a, a breath of fresh air it would be for Team Filthy to make their way over to Japan. But yeah, mixing up, I, I think Team Filthy are like the, the multi-man tag specialists at the moment. For, I don't know why but they just there's something about them in multi-man tag matches that I find incredibly entertaining. And yeah, them mixing up in a, a big 10-man tag match with LIJ would be tremendous fun and I'm just I'm praying that we're going to get that at some point. If we got it this year it would be incredible.
2: Yeah, Team Filthy and and Rosser have really adapted themselves to to the new Japan multi-man tag style. I mean, they all fit into it perfectly. Those are always for me the highlights of the the big shows like Battle in the Valley and Resurgence. Those multi mans I think always stand up head and shoulders above other other matches that are placed higher than them on the cards. And yeah, get get Team Filthy over. You can like like we've just been talking about. You can use them in, in multi mans. Each in, each individual member I think has strong enough chops that. I've got no problem seeing them have, have runs in Japan. You know, get get Lawler and Rosser in the G1 and get West Coast Wrecking Crew in in a tag league. And I think that's really all you need to do to, to freshen up New Japan.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't even say no to sticking Danny Limelight in Best of the Super Juniors. Just Just any injection of fresh talent would be very much welcome at this point. But yeah, we're all... Really hoping that Team Filthy can make it over at some point because they are the the aces of New Japan Strong. Uh Multiverse Ace says, in regards to Strong, do you think they will bring back their live specials, aka pay-per-views, or will they just continue with the current format? Resurgence and Battle in the Valley were two of my favourite events last year, and they had that special event feel. I I think with their sort of US-based roster, I don't think they can run the specials like that. I think the specials are only going to happen when they can bring over. You know, a a good group of talent from Japan to make it a special occasion. I think, as it is, I I really like the domestic roster that they got for Strong. I think it's great, but that I think is better served towards running these, uh, you know, taping formats where they're going to do, you know, give you 12 matches or whatever that's going to sort out your next month for Strong rather than doing uh, big one off pay per view specials. I think for those specials, you need to bring over your guys like Tanahashi or Ishii to, to sell them, really.
2: Yeah, I, I think we will. Um I I could see in a world where eventually maybe we get like one major strong show a quarter. I mean we had two last year, because it's not like they, they brought over a truckload of the 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 Japanese roster for resurgence. It was just just Tanahashi, I think, was was the main drawing point. And then Battle in the Valley, it was Ishii, mainly to get the belt off of Jay and, and to get it back to Japan and, and Okada. So I think you could easily justify, say, doing one major strong kind of pay-per-view. Because remember, they're also doing those pay-per-view-esque shows and tying them into a round of tapings. So there's no reason why, in theory, you can't have one a quarter. And you just send one guy over, whether it's Tana or Okada Naito, Ibushi, Shingo, whomever, just send one or two guys over. I think that's really all you need to do to to justify calling it like a pay-per-view special.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Shingo there. I think he is the guy that I think would do good numbers for U.S. ticket sales because he, he seems really popular in the West. And I think if they bring him over, put him in a prominent spot, on one of these US specials, I think they would uh, that, that would be go down really well. Uh Henderson says, Who's taking the strong open weight title from Filthy Tom? Why should it be Gabe Kids? Yeah, I mean I don't think it's gonna be Taylor Russ taking the title off him. And I mean, looking through the roster, it it's hard to identify who the next guy should be, because I mean I don't think Tom should be losing it anytime soon. I think he's a really good champion. I think he should continue to hold it. Uh, and Gabe Kids, yeah, I think he still needs a lot of development before he is just, he's built up to that point on the roster where he seems like a credible threat to Tom Lawler. He, he will get there. I've got every faith in Gabe Kids, but that might take a while before he gets there. I mean, could that be six months? Could it be a year? I don't know, but he is definitely an interesting name to put forward as the successor to filthy Tom.
2: You were uh, cutting out there on me.
1: Uh, I'll just summarise then. Uh, I think Gabe Kid would be a good pick to be the person who takes the strong open weight title off Filthy Tom, but it will take a while to get there. I think you need a, at least six months to build him up to that point. Um, what do you think about Gabe Kid beating Tom for that title? Or is there anyone else on that roster who you think would be uh, a good person to dethrone Filthy Tom?
2: I think it should either be Narita or Coughlin. Um especially um, in Narita's case. I mean, he's already had the special showcase match against Shibata. So I don't see why that that, depending on how much longer you're going to have him on excursion before you send him back to Japan permanently. um, I would have no problem with him taking the belt off a Lawler and having a small run as champ. And maybe that's how you reintroduce him In Japan, maybe first pops over and and defends the belt against somebody over in Japan, comes back and drops it to somebody else and then pops and then goes back to to Japan permanently. But I think, you know, I love Kid. And yeah, I could see where maybe in a year he's the he's the he's he's rocking that belt. But um, I think Ren is perfectly positioned to be the one to finally take that off of uh, Filthy Tom.
1: Yeah, that's a good shout. And as you said, like getting the the rub from Shibata in that big Wrestle Kingdom match, he feels like a bigger deal than he did before that Wrestle Kingdom. Obviously. Um, all right, let's move on to New Year's Golden Series. Then you dipped into the these Korakuen shows. Uh, what did you see? And what were your big takeaways from it? Um,
2: like I I like dipped I I just bare. I mean, they're, they're Korakuen shows, right? Um. I I watched um, from the first night the um, six man of Wado Toguchi and Tenzan versus Despi Dolki and Kanemaru. Um, You know, typical six man. What I liked about it though was Wado showing a starting to kind of get a gritty side to him. So Wado wins the match. Submits Doki with his new submission move, which I don't remember the name of it. Um, it sounds like Vindaloo when Kevin calls it. Um, I know that's not the name of it, but but so he submits Doki and then he just kept the move on and just stared at Desperado until Desperado was able to get free and get into the ring. And that's when Wado released the submission move. And then there was a little jawing and a little um, physicality post-match. And, you know, Waddle's like, oh, I'm the challenger. And just kind of restating that not to take him lightly. And Desperado said some things. And then they finally kind of formally broke apart. So I like seeing the um, like- Waddle kind of getting that. No, no. So, no, I was just, you just Wado having that grit and that sandpaper. I hate, though, that he's, They've got him paired with Tenzon and Taguchi. I understand why, Um, but it's you know it it doesn't help his having those partners to kind of solidify that he's a legit um, challenger, you know, because he's got his little league dad and he's got his weird pervert uncle um, tagging with him. So um, it is what it is, and that's a me thing. I totally admit that. And then I watch the main and the main takeaway from the main was it's just fun to kind of see who actually has workable knees in the main between the six guys. Um, Nothing really exciting or mind blowing. Probably the most interesting sequence was Tana does the air guitar. He throws the guitar to Sonata. Sonata Sonata stares at it for a hot minute, um, strums a couple chords. He throws it to Red Shoes, and Raju's is like, "What am I doing with this?" And then throws it to Abe outside of the ring. Um, and and I appreciated just this weird um, moment with with an air guitar. Um, Shingo is you know full of piss and vinegar taking on Nagata. Um, the rest of the match was pretty much kind of your standard. You know, oh, okay, we're 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 going to be fighting each other, but we're not trying to do anything too super crazy. Um. So it was fine. It was a breezy 20 minutes. I mean, it's just straight. I don't even think it went 21. As soon as you got the 20-minute call, that's pretty much when the pin happened. But I was surprised at the 20-minute call because it didn't feel like I'd been sitting there for 20 minutes. So, you know, they're breezy. They're fun. Um, If you've got – if you're just gagging for some New Japan to watch, they're perfectly watchable. But as we talked about earlier, it's not like we're really missing out – not having more of these house shows for the for the next couple of weeks.
1: I did look up the finishing move for Wata, that submission move, Vendaval. Uh, the meaning of Vendaval is a gusty southwest wind occurring chiefly in winter about the Strait of Gibraltar. So <laughs> submission move <laughs> named after bad weather in Gibraltar, which is a choice, but I, I appreciate the creativity. Um, I mean, my experiences with these shows mainly through dms from our friend Jay michael so he gave me two pieces of information about these shows uh, and i quote i started skip watching through 20th of january i'm already legitimately angry great okan didn't beat nakashima in 30 seconds he storms in the ring starts attacking the kid i'm all excited and now nakashima is making great Khan scream in pain and grab a rope break from a knee bar forget this and then a bit later on oh great here comes hiromu still carrying the best of the super Junior's trophy hiromu buddy, you've got to drop that. That is a a ticket to your title match at Wrestle Kingdom. Stop bringing it out. You've got to put that on the shelf until the next tournament rolls around, my friend. Uh, But they did win J. Michael back in the end with the post-match promos. um, He said, there's a bit where Taguchi draws Watto into frame and starts blasting off about how six or nine will win the junior tag belts, with Watto desperately but politely trying to correct him that the team name is one or eight and not getting a word in this, Taguchi gets more and more fired up. Uh, For some reason, both Hiromu and Great Okan made bets with Oiwa for their matches. Hiromu bet Oiwa, Hiromu's New Year's money, that Oiwa couldn't take off the Kamaitachi mask. Oiwa did, but there was a second one underneath. Not sure what Great Okan bet, but it was a lot of money, and he taunted Hiromu on commentary with how much more money he was betting. Otherwise, it's been a predominantly immobile tour thus far. Jado, Ghetto, Makabe, etc. All unfortunately um, prominent. Backstage comments. Great Okan is doing a backstage comment thing where he's upset and confused that he's being filmed. And Ishimori grows more savage. He's making fun of Tiger Mask for having uh, saggy titties. Well, that's not very nice. Um, I did. Th- th- there are these pretty good YouTube highlight videos with Kevin Kelly commentaries. If you're not going to watch the whole show, those are worth checking out at least. So yeah, Okani's out there. He's offering money to people. Uh, Nakashima has a crew cut and a little beard, so that's you know a little signified that he's taken a little step up in the the dojo rankings. Uh, Ishimori stole Tiger Mask's mask. Um, yeah, Master Wato. Yeah, I agree with you. He is showing more edge. He is developing, but he's got to get rid of that haircut. It just looks terrible on him. It's, it just looks like the ultimate Karen. And it, it, got it, to, it, it, yeah.
2: no, I was going to say the haircut is 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 Kate plus
1: eight. I don't know what that is. You have to educate uh, me.
2: Oh, so so Kate plus eight. So there there was a long time ago. I'm going to show my age. There was a reality series called Kate and John. Um, I think that's what it was called. But it was like this couple, and they had like a ton of kids. And then eventually, (laughs) (laughs) right. And then Kate and John get divorced, and then it just becomes Kate plus eight. Kate and her eight kids. And Wado's haircut makes me think of Kate from that. Well, that Um, should be the
1: tag team name then. Never mind one or eight. It should be Kate or eight. Yeah,
2: yeah, um, but no, I agree. He he has just just changed the hair because he's getting into shape. His kicks are getting, you know. Kevin mentioned on commentary that he's been working with Abushi, uh, so you can see where the kicks are, you know, have got a little more snap, a little more crisp to them. Just just get rid of the hair. Just 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 trim it. Just do something.
1: And we had some good stuff with uh, Hiroki Goto using his ultra dad powers to pick up a win. Help celebrate his daughter's birthday. Uh, very wholesome content from Instagram. There, I just love to see it. He's uh, an inspiration to me. Just you can see how much that his family adore him and how much he, he loves being around them. So even if his wrestling can let us down sometimes, Hiroki Goto, the dad, is uh, equally, if not more, enjoyable than Hiroki Goto, the wrestler. Uh, so yeah, I think that's pretty much it as far as the, the uh, Golden series goes. It's it's just it's starting to show, isn't it that it's becoming a struggle with the same guys wrestling each other. If people want to take time off, then it means you're getting to see more of the likes of Makabe and and Honma and Gedo and Jado. And I mean, I'll I'll be looking forward to picking up on this tour as we get to the more interesting matches and the title matches, but it's certainly one that it's not, it's not creating a lot of buzz for people, is it?
2: No. Um, But that's, I mean, but that's been New Japan for really a year now is is that yeah it's 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 the same you know what like about 25 guys and you're just getting different permutations um
1: that's it and, that's what it feels know. like is not it It feels like okay now it's this ter- now it's the time for chaos to feud against house of torture now it's the time for you know this faction to wrestle this faction it just feels like it's like a timetable thing rather than anything happening in an exciting organic way but you know it, it is what it is not all of that or most of that's not new japan's fault
2: yeah, I mean, the, the person that I think is getting hurt the most by this is is Okan, because of the fact that like half his faction isn't even in the country for most of the year. So, he you know, we're stuck again with him, you know, this tour. He's just by himself, like Kanari's gone back home too, right, I'm assuming.
1: Right? Yeah, he must have been. I can't think of any other reason why he wouldn't be booked on these shows if he was still in Japan.
2: Yeah, so, in, which has been O'Kahn's lot in life since, you know, last summer, is, you know, if, if one of the guys is in, great, he's, he's got some tag action. And then if not, he's, he's, he's kind of stuck in this weird holding pattern because he's in a small faction and none of them are in the country. And I think that's part of the reason why we've got House of Torture is because they needed a third, they needed another proper heel faction and because United Empire is not in in the country, we have this this growing little faction of of House of Torture.
1: Yeah, Jay White not around as well. So, you know, your big heels that they've built up, Jay White, Will Osprey—they're just not able to be there consistently. So, you know, I I agree with you that House of Torture is a, a product of that. Uh, Cola Blue says, settle it. Which is the better name, New Beginning or Golden Series?
2: They're both fine. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, it's just Golden Series. This go around because of the 50th anniversary, right? I mean, I don't think next year it'll be, Hmm. you know, Golden Series. I'm assuming it'll just go back to new beginnings.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe Golden Series is a bit of a grandiose term for it. I'd give it Bronze Series at the moment at best.
2: Yeah, maybe Copper.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Zinc. Uh, Zinc series. New Year's Zinc series. Uh, Camera says, what match you most excited to be run 20 times at Korokun on this tour? I mean, yeah, we take the point. We agree. It's a bit of a slog, but uh, hopefully things will pick up as the tour goes on. Violence Skipping says, Okada coming out of Wrestle Kingdom with the belt or one of them seemed the likely outcome for some time, but the next direction seems less clear. Who do you think dethrones him and when? I mean, that is a, a really tough question. I don't think it's going to be Naito. And I'm just looking through the roster, like who would be an appropriate guy to take the title off him? I don't know. There's no one really screaming out to me that this should be the guy. My temptation would be to say one of the returning young lines. I don't know. I don't think any of them are at that level yet, but I think certainly the hopes were someone like Shota Umino would be able to come back and do sort of an equivalent version of the Rainmaker shock. So, I would be looking at someone from outside coming and see that because I, I look at the roster at the moment and there's no one that really excites me to think, oh yeah this should be the next heavyweight champion.
2: Um, I almost wonder if Okada is going to hold through the year and then should. drop and then drop to Will at at a Wrestle Kingdom or sometime early next year. Because that's that's the other question too. How long do you think Okada? Well, that's obviously that was kind of part of, of the question of of when you think it's going to happen. Um, so then that begs the question: you know, are we going to get another long Okada reign, or is it going to be more like the Shingo reign, in that you know he'll hold it for a few months, maybe drop a Dominion. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be Naito. I think Okada Naito is going to be our trilogy for the year because new Japan normally likes to set up some sort of kind of top tier feud that you get like three or four times. And I think Okada Naito is going to be it this year. Cause for what, I mean what other reason would you be running Okada Naito so soon if you weren't planning to run it again um, a couple more times this year, probably a meetup in the G1 um, and maybe another defense or something. Down the line.
1: Yeah, it felt like that was a match they were protecting and holding onto for a future dome show. But now, I guess with with things the way they are, they felt the need to pull the trigger on that. And yeah, that's a good shout. I could I could see that being the trilogy for this year. Um, yeah, it just feels like one with a holding the belt at the moment. That's the holding pattern. That's the treading water. They have put the belt on him as a safe option and are waiting to see how the travel situation plays out throughout the rest of the year to see whether or not they can do anything interesting, you know, maybe even bring Jay White back into the mix at some point. I think he'd be an interesting person to maybe do a back and forth with Okada over that title at a big show. But uh, yeah, I I just feel that maybe they don't have a a clear designating next guy at the moment. It just, it feels up in the air at the moment with the way that, that Omicron seems to be ripping its way through Japan and the resulting impact on travel and visas and all that. Uh, Chris says, do you know why ZSJ was not in the Golden Series tour? I thought he might be back in the UK, but he's not on any shows here either. I assume he's back in the UK, just taking some time off and seeing family. I mean, if the holiday's holiday, maybe he doesn't want to just do a load of uh, independent wrestling dates. So that would be, uh, I assume, where he is because he's been in Japan for an awful long time. And uh, yeah, if I were him, I'd be enjoying some downtime too at the moment.
2: Yeah, because he's been there since the, the pandemic started and i think he's been on just about every tour i mean maybe a little time off when he got you know bumped got knocked out of the new japan cup last year but i think he's been on every tour
0: yeah since like 20 he, he since has. 2020
2: mm-hmm. so yeah let let the man have have a couple of weeks off um now now going back to what we were just talking about with okada i mean i wouldn't mind um, Zach at least challenging. I don't know if they would put it on Zach, but um, mm. I would be down shot. with 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 Zach challenging because because that, that's another thing too. Is I mean, who do we even have lined up as potential challengers after Nido? They can obviously hot a guy up, but who are you looking at? like? Maybe Cobb, but Cobb got Cobb lost at Wrestle Kingdom. I thought Cobb was going to be positioned to be a future challenger.
1: Yeah, I think Cobb may be a guy you could heat back up for a title challenge at at any point, really. Um, Just don't, anyone but Sonata. Don't do Sonata or Okada again.
2: Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, maybe Cobb wins NJC and then Cobb's, you know, that's how Cobb gets his um, challenge. You know, if Okada still has it for Fukuoka, for uh, Pepe Dome, you know, who who are we running there? that those are the more, to me, the more interesting questions is just just trying to figure out even a defense schedule for him and who you're you're picking up from that roster to to defend.
1: I suppose some people might speculate that there could be some outside challenges coming for Okada this year. Uh, I mean, Benjamin Paul says any increase in Noah interest now that we're a few weeks past Wrestle Kingdom Night Three. I myself have been really getting into Noah for the first time. Since nearly nothing of any major note is happening on the new Japan front. I mean, I understand that. Uh, for me, it's just a question of free time. I don't have the free time to watch anything really these days, let alone New Japan. So I I, I just I don't have the free time to be taken on anything. I, I appreciate No Goods. If they're highly recommended matches, I will check them out. And yeah, I would say there's a non-zero possibility of them working something out for uh, Future stuff, you know, maybe Kiyomiya comes in to challenge Okada for the title at some point. I, I would sort of lean 70-30 towards it not happening, uh, but certainly the the possibility is there on the table for that. Uh, what about yourself? Any any interested in Noah? Do you think we'll see them, as one of those boys, challenging Okada?
2: I I tried to get into Noah um, when the pandemic started because everybody was like, oh, you gotta watch, you gotta watch. I made the mistake of watching the Fujita Go match Um, and about five minutes into the staring I just gave up and I just kind of threw my hands up in the air Um, and I was like I'm done and I've tried to watch some other stuff of Noah it just doesn't click with me Um, so like I had no interest in Wrestle Kingdom Night 3 because of that I was like oh this, this will probably be interesting but um i I wasn't driven to like buy the pay-per-view um also because i have subscriptions to world and universe that was another reason why i didn't buy the pay-per-view you already get my money twice you're not going to get it a third time to to watch this show um so yeah so for me i'm just i'm not running out of my way to to watch noah i'm not even like at this point peeping like the highly recommended matches it's just not my bag um I could see, I could see a a scenario where maybe at the anniversary show, maybe it's a Noah guy challenging, because it's at the Budokan, and with Budokan being Noah's kind of ancestral home, even though New Japan's been salting that Earth uh, the last few years, running G ones there, and anniversary there, so I I could see maybe a Noah guy. If it's gonna happen, I think it might be at anniversary.
1: We do have a lot of questions here about NFTs. I don't know if you want to deal with them or if you'd rather I save them <sighs> oh, for when uh, Damon is back, because I think he's that, someone that, that who, was the.
2: He, that was the whole point of of because because I started that NFT run of questions because just the thought of you trying to explain NFTs to Damon, and then and then him you know trying to answer the, those questions just in my head sounded incredibly hilarious. And then yesterday morning when I got the text from you about hopping on and guest hosting, once I was finally kind of awake and fully processed it, I was like, oh shit, I'm going to get those NFT questions now. And it, it was no longer we'll as funny we'll or as hilarious. Yeah, we'll save those for Damon. Because that will be some good, That that's going to be some good comedy.
1: Excellent stuff. Uh, All right, well, let's just dip into a few Discord questions. I've got a little bit of time before I've got to go to work. Uh, Andrew says, why did Joel decide to play Kenny Omega's favorite game, Undertale, instead of starting on the Yakuza series, which specifically excluded Kenny Omega when adding New Japan wrestlers to the series? I mean, I have started Yakuza (laughs) 0 now, uh, but I I stopped because I needed to do my festive playthrough of Shenmue and then I bought FIFA 22, which is not a great game, but it's kind of addictive and is sort of a nice way for me to turn my brain off when I get home. So I haven't picked up Yakuza again. I really need to get back on it because I, I know it's good. I enjoyed what i played so far. And yes, I apologise for playing the, the Kenny Omega game. Uh, Undertale, I mean, I liked Undertale, <laughs> but it's horribly overrated. I mean, people saying that, like, this is one of the greatest games of all time. It's really not. It's it's a nice little game. It's quite clever with the things that it does, but, like, yeah. You know, Come on, calm down, guys. Uh, Vase Collector says Joel, a scale from minus five to plus five, zero is neutral. How pumped are you for the new From Software release of Elden Rings? And that is my question. Uh, yeah, I would put myself as a plus four for that. Very, very excited. I think I've enjoyed everything they've put out, the non soul stuff as well. Bloodborne, Sekiro, big fan. And from everything I've seen about Elden Ring, I'm sure I'm going to really enjoy it. So when I get that, <laughs> maybe I'll give you uh, weekly Elden Ring updates. On the podcast, so yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, Classic catchers: If Liger got a year-long farewell tour and two nights at Wrestle Kingdom, what would New Japan do for Tanahashi? And that is my question. Do you think Tanahashi would be someone who gets bigger fanfare than Liger, on, upon his retirement, whenever that might
0: be?
2: Um, I would be shocked if he got less fanfare than Liger. I, I think, no, I think that's just going to be a wild, off-the-chain um retirement tour. If he even if he even like does the full tour, I could also see, I could see Tana being almost kind of like a Mudo um, or a Choshu and that he'll keep talking about retirement and then he just keeps popping back up. Um, Tanahashi strikes me as a guy that you'll just, it's almost going to be like a Nakanishi where you just have to retire him and put him down basically and drag him out of the ring crying and screaming. Um, but if he goes to the retirement tour type like Liger, yeah, that's just going to be insane. Absolutely insane. And he deserves it.
1: Yeah, agreed. Uh, Vase Collector says, what is the, and that is my question, merch situation, picturing it as an Attitude Era Rock or DX Catch T. I don't know if we need to reach out to Antonio to sort out royalties with that. I don't know if he has the intellectual copyright holder of, and that is my question. Uh, yeah, we're definitely sort of running a bit dry as far as T-shirt sales go. So maybe we need some new ideas. So uh, listeners, if you have any ideas for uh, T-shirts that you would be interested in buying, let us know and we'll try and get them uh, commissioned. A base collector says... Now we, now we talked... To to... Ju- yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
2: No, no, I was going to say we, we talked about a, a Dr. Kagashima shirt.
1: Yes, we did. <laughs> that just sort of got lost in my list of things to do uh pile which just got bigger and bigger at that time but yeah dr kagoshima watch this space maybe i'll I'll pick that up again because i know we'd buy it for sure uh i don't know if it'd be a breach of any sort of intellectual copyright laws for that but uh yeah maybe i'll uh, reach out to and see what we can bash out there Next question is going to be from Base Collector. Do you see Kushida coming back to New Japan ever or do you see him trying another hand at a stateside run outside of WWE? Uh, what about Nakamura? Uh, they, I mean, Kushida seems happy enough in WWE at the moment. He seems to be getting matches. He, he's doing all right relative to other guys who've gone over there. So I, I'm not going to be holding my breath for him coming back to New Japan anytime soon, personally.
2: No, and, and I'm wondering what, I mean, what what's there for him to do in New Japan? I mean, it's very clear they're never going to make him a heavyweight or even let him challenge for, for the Never Belt. So what, he would just come back and basically take up his spot as, you know, w- within the junior division? I mean, there's nothing for, for him to do. Nakamura would be the more interesting one. Um, he enjoys his surfing, though. He's one I could, you know, he's the one that, Maybe you can you could entice him back for maybe one or two matches, um, but Kashida, I just like what is there for Kashida to do?
1: Yeah, they not a heavyweight run. Basically, is my short answer. Right. Classic catch says, "What would you do with JY after Evil turns on him? Do you completely split up Bullet Club? Does he form his own group?" And is that my question? Yes, that is your question. Um, I mean, let's get Jay White back in the country first and then worry about that. I I mean, obviously, at the start of last year, we all thought that the big money and the babyface turn. but I don't know. Like, maybe Japanese fans would be so excited and pleased to see Jay White back in Japan that that's where you can kickstart the babyface turn. But, I mean, do I see him long-term with Bullet Club? I don't know. I mean, it seems Bullet Club has kind of moved into this sort of more tweener role as House of Torture have become the the de facto heels, and you know United Empire obviously heels, even though they're not the cheating heels. So, I mean, maybe you, you can bring Jay White back. He stays with Bullet Club, but then Bullet Club is just sort of realigned on the the heel face spectrum. I mean, what do you think happens with Jay? Uh,
2: yeah. Um, I, I yeah. I think Jay would come back and then we'd finally get like the evil program maybe between the two of them for the soul of bullet club or however you want to phrase that and then i think eventually if if jay comes back and jay is able to to stay consistently um i think house of torture just gets spun off as its own unit and bullet club you can either keep them tweener but you've already got Suzuki-gun and Lij, which are tweeners. Um, so that would uh, you could just make them some form of of heel that's different from House of Torture and United Empire. Um, I mean, I know eventually you're going to get the face turn from Jay, but I think also right now there's a noticeable lack of top tier heels. And regardless of what you think of Jay White, Jay White is a very good heel. And New Japan needs top tier heels. Evil's not cutting it. Will is in and out of the country as well. So if you get the the both of them back, then you've got, and you spin off House of Torture, then you've got three, well, two top tier heels in one kind of mid tier heel leader um, with those three guys. And then, but I don't, I don't think we would see a Jay White face turn for for a few years at least once we get him back in the country. But you're right, we just got to get him back in first, get him, get him kind of reintegrated into the roster. You know, he's doing this stuff on Impact with Bullet Club, and so far they're all hunky dory. Even though every once in a while you were getting those Tamatanga tweets that were making you wonder um, if he was going to throw his lot in with evil or not. So, you know, I don't know if we're going to get like another Bullet Club full-on civil war, or just something where they they throw a House of Torture out, and then they just become their own permanent faction.
1: MBTLOUFC says for footage art, I went to watch Arsenal versus Sunderland before Christmas. Is Eddie and Kettie good enough for England? Uh, no, I don't think he is. He kind of reminds me a bit of Franny Jeffers, a bit of a dated reference there for football fans, but he's a guy who I think can get into good scoring positions and is a decent finisher. But unless he's getting the service, there's not a great else that he brings to the table. Uh, Bob says, how did Arsenal lose that FA Cup match? Were they still feeling the effects of that Man City match? And will the Gunners finish in the top four? Uh, gosh, I don't think so. I just think we are lacking in a decent striker. We we seem to be creating lots of chances. I think we've got good creative midfield options, you know, like Sasaka, Smith-Rowe, Erdogan, Martinelli, but we need someone up top to link it up and to start putting away those chances. And it I don't know if we're gonna buy the right person in January to do that. If we do, I mean if we get a, a decent striker in the transfer window, then we could certainly have a crack at it. But I just I don't I don't see it. I could see if we finish maybe sixth probably, get back in European football, that will be progress at least, even though it wouldn't necessarily excite me um daryl says any new year's resolutions i for one would like to eat healthier get more sleep get more exercise and boycott all house of torture matches in 2022 um I maybe pick your brains about this booze because i'm trying to eat fewer carbs you're you're big on the keto thing that was going to be something for me i want to you know lose a few pounds uh this year and eat a bit more healthily uh maybe you can give me some tips on that and, and share any resolutions that you have
2: yeah um I think I might be enacting a resolution right now. I just can't really talk about it. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, if I pop up as a guest host um, a little bit later in the year, oh, boy, do I have some stories to tell on that front. With um, the keto thing, the, the big thing is for me, I don't – I'm not the crazy – like I'm, I i don't sit there and, and calculate all my macros and all of that. Um A a lot of it is just simply cutting carbs out, or you know, at least being carb conscious enough to sit there and go, "Okay, so this is actually net ten carbs. I can go ahead and eat it." Um, I was, I was bigger, I was full on last year, and then I live in Texas, and um, no actually in twenty twenty, and then in twenty twenty one, we had a we had a little weather incident um, almost a year ago. Uh, regarding a freeze that left the uh, grocery stores depleted of food. Like there were actual lines and people having to act as bouncers in the grocery stores for a few days. And at that point I went, I just need to eat sustenance. I can't be sitting here trying to figure out out of the three options that are left in the grocery store, which is keto friendly. So I dropped off a of keto and then I've been dipping back on and off. I'm back on it right now. The big thing with keto is in the beginning stages is, is the keto flu, which is a legitimate thing where because you're, you're changing how your body is getting its fuel, your body freaks the fuck out and you, you, you'll have symptoms that feel like you've got the flu or something, hence why it's called the keto flu. And that's a little weird the, the first go around. Because you're like, oh, this is a real thing and it, it can mess you up. And then on the flip side, um, if you hop off a of keto full board, you can have like basically like car- the, the, the carb equivalent of a hangover. And I did that once when I was full on keto. I went to a friend's house and I didn't want to be that picky eater of, oh, I can't eat this. So I was eating everything that was presented to me and drinking stuff that I shouldn't have been drinking. And then for like a couple of days, I was just sitting there feeling hungover because I had suddenly ingested so many carbs in one full go. So, but and it, it, a lot of it is just maybe not even completely cutting out carbs, but just finding carb friendly stuff. There, there's keto bread. Some of it's actually really good there's tortillas that have a carb balance. So they're like, you know, maybe two net grams of carbs when it's all said and done. So there are things that you can do to still, you know, eat, you know, somewhat feel like you're eating normally, but you're still just being, you know, carb conscious. And so it's it's just keeping your carbs down and like exercise would probably be my thing is just, I've got to do better in being more ambulatory Oh, yeah, no, no. Carb hangovers are are incredibly, can be incredibly brutal because uh, you just f- feel the same way that as if you, you know, just went on a massive bender the night before and you're like, I just had a couple of McDonald's cheeseburgers. That's all I had. Um, and your body's just like, nope, screw you. So th- those are things that just to kind of keep in mind. Um, but there's stuff out there that you can eat that has carbs, but it's just lower net carbs, like bread. There's a couple different. Um, Like Oro, O-R-O, has some bread that is keto that's actually pretty tasty. Um, And then tortillas, there's like, you know, net carbs of like two and things if you go hunting around. So you got to work a little bit at it, um, but you can find things to fit um, what you want to do.
1: Yeah, I've been sort of dipping into stuff like... uh konjac konjac is a big thing like konjac rice konjac noodles so uh, yeah they're they're filling the hole at the moment uh, all right i need to get ready for work so i'm just going to plug the upcoming single very excited about this one from escape the box it's coming out on february 14th it is free to stream on all streaming platforms the name of the song is bad obsession so get involved it is going to be a killer song. I'm a big, big fan of Escape Box. And again, not just saying that. They do—they they tick my musical boxes as far as my taste is concerned. Uh, Booze, thank you very much for stepping in. I mean, we wish Damon all the best. Uh, we may hear your voice again next week. Anything that you would like to plug before we get out of here?
2: Uh, no, not really. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, it's Booze with a B-O and then uh, the number zero, Z-E, Leprechaun. Uh, that's where you can find me on Twitter. Um, thanks for having me back on. Um, I guess, you know, Ibushi, uh, I, I, I was going to earlier make a whole joke about Damon being bushy and me being Okada. And then <laughs> I went with the sumo. Then I went with the the, the sumo cast uh, joke on the fly. So, but no, thanks for having me on. And uh, I will gladly answer that bat signal if it needs to be answered in the future.
1: Fantastic. Okay, so com forward slash shows. Forward slash super dash j dash cast. If you want to throw some money our way, uh, we always appreciate it. If you want to join our Discord community, you can send me a DM on Twitter and I will share the link with you. Uh, I'm not going to get into why <laughs> that is the case, why we don't have an open invite, but uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, at Cobra Kawaii and pro forward slash super j cast. If you want to buy one of our t shirts. A massive, massive thank you to Editor Dan. You can find him on Twitter at LousyHero219 and the new Escape the Box single coming out February 14th, Bad Obsession. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Give us a five-snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the TheSuperJCast. Thank you everyone for listening and goodbye.